Welcome to another Dragonlance Saga review episode. It is Misham New Cult the 12th. My name is Adam and today I'm going to be uh, giving you my uh, spoiler review of Lord Toad. Or Toda. Or Toady. Or however you like to say it. By Jeff Grubb. <laughs> I will be spoiling this story. So if you don't want to know it, stop watching now. I would like to take a moment to thank the members of this channel and invite you to consider becoming a member by visiting the link in the description below. And always remind you that you can pick up Dragonlance Gaming Materials, even 5e, if you haven't joined the Ban Wizards of the Coast product. Uh, I don't know. Hashtag? <laughs> Life choice? Uh, it's all through Amazon, but then again, they're another corporation that's evil? <laughs> like Watsy? I don't know. I think people get a little too emotional about stuff that doesn't affect them in any actual direct way, but still. Okay, anyway, this is my perspective only. So if you disagree with it, guess what? That's okay. That's life. <laughs> and I accept it. Let me know what you think of this book if you've read it and if you disagree or if you agree or I don't know if there's some alternate universe you want to share. I'm down for hearing about it. <laughs> All in the chat, if you happen to be tuning in live or after the fact in the comments. All right, so Andrew, thanks so much for joining live. I'm glad this helps your day go by a little bit better. Chris, what is up? How you doing? And for anyone else joining throughout the course of this conversation, if you have any comments about the story or Dragonlance in general, I'm not going to be talking about Watsy or anything like that. So Dragonlance in general, throw them up in the chat. And then after I'm done providing my pre-written review, we can just sort of riff for a few minutes. It's Thursday. But I want it to be Friday, so I'm going to act as if it were. All right, let's get into it. The first thing that stood out to me about the sheer um, uh, was the sheer amount of errors in this book. There are quote marks where there shouldn't be any quote marks, and no quote marks where there should be quote marks. It's not a great first impression, but I am enjoying the tale. It begins in the abyss, as all great stories do. Er, Rather, all great stories that feature Toad. Anyway, Tachesis's Abbot of Misrule and Castellan of the Condemned to Abishai are discussing nobility after a paladin enters the abyss and is fought off by Judith, the Keeper of the Peace. They wonder why Good enters Evil's home and tries to slay it incessantly, but Evil never enters Good's home. I believe that they're referring to the planes of existence, not like a monster's lair. In any case, they make a wager that anyone could be noble or not and choose Toad to prove or disprove that point. Toad suddenly wakes up from sleep after being killed by a dragon, as we all know that happened, believing it to be the moment following his death, though he doesn't really recall actually dying. It is in fact six months later. A point that he learns from Groag, a hobgoblin that used to work with him when he was a High Lord Toad, in charge of Flotsam. Toad finds Groag as a slave of Kender, the very Kender that led him and his men to their demise at the hand of the dragon, no less. And Toad is quickly captured himself. He goes by the name of Mr. Underhill, a humorous nod to another epic fantasy series, the Kender in charge of the pair is Cronin Thistlenaut's daughter, Taewin, though Toad only hears part of her name as he is constantly scheming and thinking throughout the entire novel. I am enjoying the constant escapes into Toad's mind, and Groax for that matter. Though the story has humorous moments, it's not as overtly funny as I expected it to be, or that I was led to believe it to be. 
They make a break for it while they're out picking berries. They end up attacking a guard and make Tewin slip as she's crossing a river on a wet log, only to rescue her and fall in themselves after having grabbed the key around her neck with Toad's mouth that would then unlock their manacles. They find themselves at a waterfall and Toad reveals the key in his mouth, uh, now on to reclaim his former glory. Flotsam is being run by Toad's former soldier, an Arak Draconian named Gildentongue, who has made up a religion based around Toad's former amphidragon mount, Hopsloth. He's the water pro or the holy water prophet, which Gildentongue uses to keep the people of Flotsam in line. He's actually cleaning up Flotsam a bit in the aftermath of the War of the Lands, but no hobgoblins are allowed into town. So they sneak in under hay in a wagon. Once inside, they witness Gildentongue's enforcement techniques of disbelievers as, former, as a former cook is beaten to death in the street. They go to an inn to try to figure out how to reclaim their power when Toad announces himself in the falsity of this new religion. He is promptly attacked by a priest, and the fight is joined. Growag and Toad fought off the supposed priest, and the barkeep gave Toad healing potions to recover in addition to a disguise. Toad hatches a plan to kill Gildentongue. He bluffs his way into his old manor and sends a runner to have Gildentongue meet an old friend. The Draconian immediately guesses who it is and walks into a horror story-styled ambush. It was great. Ultimately, Groag is left in a burning heap from an exploding Arak, and Toad confronts Hopsloth, the Amphidragon, who reveals that it was he who sent the assassin after him, not Gildentongue, and promptly eats him. That's right. Like, three chapters in or something like that, Toad dies again. So as the demons in the abyss are discussing their wagers and life, they find Toad yet again dead amongst them, and this time argue that they were not specific enough. They told Toad to live as a noble instead of live nobly. So Toad thought he was going to be made a nobleman, so they sent him back to life again, but this time told him to be a noble. Toad, not wanting to revisit Flotsam after this last gruesome event, turns away and is lost in a swamp where he discovers a knoll named Charka, drowning. Toad saves the knoll, who then feeds Toad and leaves to exact revenge on those who put him there in the first place. Toad continues out of the swamp only to come across archaeologists of the Irda, or Irda, and none of other than Groag cooking for them. He reveals that he was saved by them as they wanted to meet with Gildentongue when he was on fire earlier. Groag offered to help them, so he had been their cook since. Toad is not sure he trusts these scholars at all, but goes with Groag to return to Flotsam to get more supplies. On the way, with Groag refusing to steal the scholar's money, Toad steals Groag's horse, only to be stopped and attacked by Charka the Knoll with other gnolls. Charka is ready to kill the researchers and Toad for being in a sacred place when Toad makes up a lie about the researchers being powerful magicians. As Charka demands proof, Toad leaves to bring it, uh, and he uh, holds Groag hostage in the interim. Groag, of course, is convinced that Toad will abandon him, which Toad initially plans on doing. Then he lets the fates decide what he should do. He always gets this reminder in his head to be a noble. It turns out fate made him go back to the camp and warn the scholars. He discovers that the etchings of the Irida on the stone are actually, and this is true, pornographic fantasy fiction. And one researcher is beside himself because of it. 
he was led to believe that they were going to find uh, ancient knowledges and histories of the Arda and ultimately just found porn, which is hilarious that that is in Dragonlance now. Toad tells him that he can get them all out of this predicament and he takes the magic ball that sheds light that the researchers were using to see in the dark with. He tricks Charco with it and the gnolls, now afraid of the powerful magics, bring, uh, and then they all bring the researchers food as a peace offering. Toad leaves the camp and has a vision of an ancient Irida temple that was buried. He wakes up the next day, taking a scholar with him. They discover the temple and Toad falls through the floor of it. The scholar leaves to go get help and Groag shows up a little bit later, who tells Toad that bad things happen whenever he's around and is involved in anything, and then promptly abandons him there after seeing a blue-skinned apparition telling him to leave. Toad, furious, searches the bowels of the temple and discovers it was constructed to hold an abyssal spawn, basically a massive, demonic, sentient steamroller that has been trapped here since the Age of Dreams. He needs to kill a thousand creatures before he can return to the abyss, and because he's trapped, he can't fulfill that, uh, that mission, and so he's woefully short by a few hundred. Toad offers him more lives if he helps him kill a large frog. He means his amphidragon Hopslosh, who killed him the last time. The demon, named Juggernaut, agrees, and they escape the temple, kill the researchers and gnolls that were attacking the researchers after they found out that Toad was full of shit, and then they head off to Flotsam, where they kill hundreds of people, and eventually Hopsloth and Toad. So, the de <laughs> yes, this is the second time that Toad has died in the story. The demons in the abyss make yet another bet, and Toad is once again, three times a charm, brought back to life. The more time I spend in Toad's head and the more time I spend with the various demons, I'm growing to truly love this novel and its characters. I'm not laughing out loud at the humor, but it has its moments and it's definitely laughing to your yourself funny. Either way, I'm truly enjoying it. Toad is resurrected a year after his second death and goes to a cave in a hill rather than, you know, the directions that he died last time, but is discovered by a kender who has been looking for him. He learns that Cronin has apparently changed his mind about Toad during, uh, due to his daughter, Taewin's insistence, because Taewin believes that when Toad pushed her off of that slick rock and tried to get the, the key from around her neck that would unlock their manacles, she believed that he saved her. And this is a theme throughout this entire novel. Every one of the actions that Toad takes are completely misinterpreted by everyone else around him, leading him to seem more the hero and noble than he actually is or that he actually intended to do or be. And the supposed writings that Toad has been ascribed to, the smutty Irida erotica that the scholars uncovered in the ruins, were attributed to Toad as an allegory about classism in governance. And as Groag took the governance of Flotsam, the Kender, Knolls, Undead, and scholars of all this region all rebelled against Groag's rule. So there's a necromancer named Bob, seriously, who communicated that he will aid the rebellion against Groag and install Toad again as leader if this Bob the Necromancer gets all of the fallen corpses uh, in order to reanimate and add to his undead army. Now, the Kender want to install Toad so that they can get back into the city. 
The Knolls want to install Toad so that they have access to learn at the library and enter the city. So Toad, who did not write the poems that the scholars published under his name, agreed to lead the assault. He was warned on the eve of battle by a small sprite from the abyss that, in fact, everyone was planning on double-crossing Toad. So Toad, knowing the repercussions, went out of his way to ensure his survival while simultaneously getting revenge on Groag for abandoning him at the temple and taking his throne in Flotsam. Throne in Flotsam. The battle took place, and it was chaos. Knowles, Kender, and the undead were all fighting the militia Flotsam raised, and an undead whale unbeached itself and, like, flopped down all around the land, like, crushing other mercenaries and stuff. It's crazy. So Toad was almost assassinated, but it hit his horse instead of him. So instead of him dying, the horse charged into battle when it looked like they were failing, which reinvigorated his troops, making him look all the more the hero. He fought his way to the throne room where Groag has a trap laid, but Toad doesn't fall in it. And instead, Groag was ready to give up his throne as he hasn't really been enjoying doing the job and he's not actually very good at it. Just when the demon Judith, the leader of the abyss, suddenly appears. She begins asking who Toad was and if he was in fact noble in which all the leaders of the different parties swore to his nobility. The two demons who set this entire whole charade up were being punished, and when Toad willfully stepped down to stop Judith from killing everyone in the room, she ended up granting him his nobility for it, installing him as, once again, Lord of Flotsam. The Juggernaut was sent after the two demons that set up this whole thing, and Bob the Necromancer, who turned on everyone. And it all ended with Toad giving his resume to Judith for when he finally does die, hoping to get a leadership position or at least middle management in the abyss, which thus made Tachesis smile. This was a fantastic novel and a perfect example of how you can add over-the-top humor and happenstance in Dragonlance while still truly feeling like Dragonlance. It was funny, exciting, and it kept me interested infinitely more than I expected it to. So... If you like Lord Toad, if you like Dragonlance, or if you ever find yourself rooting for the evil guys, this is definitely a must-read for you. All right, what do you guys think? Hey, doing 20, uh, D20 Play, how you doing, man? Running the original modules, your son's character came really close to killing Toad twice already, but you kept having him run away because you like having him in the game. Toad is great. He is the greatest slapstick villain you could actually ever ask for. Not only in, like, Dragons of Autumn Twilight is he constantly, like, tripping over Seston the Gully Dwarf, which in and of itself is hilarious. And then he, like, subsequently ends up being High Lord for the Red Dragon Army for a brief stint. And then sent, of course, to Flotsam uh, and assigned Hop Sloth, his Amphidragon. I mean, he's just a great, stupid character. Like, I love how he's... Con like just consistently the bad guy trying to murder and, and turn on everyone not caring about anyone else's feelings but ends up being a hero in the process like the kender are now a part of flotsam and they love him Knowles are now a part of flotsam and they love him bob the necromancer not so much because he's probably squished by juggernaut but other than bob everyone loves freaking toad it's unbelievable it makes no sense but it's so great I uh, had an Amphidragon encounter a few sessions ago, first time ever in running D&D. That's awesome. You know what's terrifying to me is being on a boat and having any dragon attack you. Like, just the idea of being trapped in the middle of an open body of water 
you, you can't be wearing armor because if you go over, you sink. So you have to be unarmored on a boat while being attacked. So you have to not only try to find cover that's not going to then fall down on you like the mast. If that snaps, you're going to be crushed to death. Uh, if the dragon happens to get you, and why wouldn't it? You're going to be dragged down to the depths or swallowed whole. Like you're just screwed. It's, it's the worst possible place to be. And yet probably the most exciting for an adventure. I got to do it sometime. All right, Toad actually had a lot of responsibility under Verminard in the novels, and you're always curious why. Uh, no, this deal is only after his death, and it, the reflections are only centered around Flotsam, not around Abanasinia at all. So he doesn't ever mention Verminard or anything like that. Uh, Dragonlance nudie scrolls sounds like the treasure to throw into the next playing session. Uh, yeah, it's so absurd that the the writings ended up just being ear to pornography. <laughs> like, it's so, and they even throw in some lines, and it's more like Victorian body language, you know, like body within W, not bodies, um, than it is like straight up pornography, like we would understand it to be. But it's still just really, really funny because throughout the whole second half of the book, people are quoting lines that he supposedly wrote to inspire people, and he had no idea what they were talking about. Like, because he didn't write it. He had no idea. It's just hilarious. Oh, I love it. Oh, you did it in the Test of High Sorcery Adventure. That's cool. Yeah, I think I'm going to end up just crafting my own. I figure if I'm going to be running a pre-written module, I want to try to take as much personal creative license as possible. And I don't know. I'm just not much of a, mo a module type person. I like sort of crafting my own stories. So... I think that's what I'm going to end up doing. But that's that's really cool that you ran through that and it had an amphi-dragon in it. That's terrifying. I hope they got through okay. Because <laughs> that hop sloth, the first encounter, it was just like, uh, I sent the the creature after you, Toad, the assassin after you, Toad. It wasn't Gildentongue. And Toad was like, you talk? You've never talked before at all. And he's like, of course I talk. I just don't choose to talk to you. And then Toad said something rude to him, and he just stuck his tongue out, snapped Toad, and brought him into his mouth and ate him. <laughs> and then Toad showed up in the abyss. There was a funny little moment at the very beginning when the demons were talking about who they should send back to prove nobility, and they had jars of souls, like sort of like on a, like a, like a, I don't know, a bookshelf or something like that. And they took one out saying Raceland Majir. And they're like, well, this one's soul is missing, so we can't use him. And I would just imagine what what would it be like for Raceland to be rescued from the abyss by two demons who, because if you remember, he wasn't allowed, like he went to sleep. He was granted peace so Tachesis wouldn't continually torture him every single day of his life uh, for eternity uh, by his sacrifice. But he lost all ability to use magic if he left the abyss. And so if these demons would have sent him like resurrected him again and he would have been sent back i don't know the tower of high sorcery and palanthus or something he wouldn't have been able to use magic at all and he would have had to try to live nobly i think that would also be a very interesting story and they they brought up some other names and i can't for the life of me remember what they were at the moment now but uh very entertaining story like 
there's a sort of a background story about this that it was written someone got sick and like I don't know it was cancer or, or something and they were in the hospital and so the author brought it over to the the person in the hospital and they were just it lifted their spirits they were laughing out loud reading it and so that's the image I had when I started reading this book thinking well this is gonna be so funny that it's gonna make you laugh out loud not so much, but it is very humorous. And when you sort of reflect on the story, that's when you start to laugh out loud because of the absurdity of it. Because you're sort of, you're in it, you know, when you're reading it. You're not really thinking objectively as much as you are just experiencing it, I guess. At least that's how I did it anyway. So yeah, I thought it was really cool. Um, a quick note for people, I'm going to be doing a live stream, maybe Sunday, I don't know, sometime this weekend. Just a, a watch party, basically, of the film Dragons of Autumn Twilight. I had done one before where it was just me on screen. And I think this time I'm going to have the movie on screen and me as a little sort of thumbnail in the whole frame. And the idea, I'm going to have the film potted down a little bit. So I'm going to be talking over it and stuff. So if you want to join me and just sort of riff on what's happening on screen, maybe some of the errors or mistakes or, you know, the truncated story and just sort of, you know, have fun with it. You're more than welcome to join me on that live stream. Again, I'm not entirely sure when because I do have a Call of Cthulhu game on noon on Saturday my time. So it'll be after that uh, or it'll be on Sunday. So either way, I will put it up on the channel. And, and if you have ring that stupid bell, then you'll be notified when it's live. And I hope you do. If you haven't, thank you so much. Solid Gumby, how you doing, man? All right. Definitely check this book out. It's an oldie but a goodie and arguably of the last... I don't know, 12, 15 books that I've read set in Dragonlance, it's probably one of the best. You know, like top five. It's a really, really good book. Just for ridiculous fun. Oh, I'm doing good. Thanks for asking, man. All right, so that's it. That's all I got. That was a short one. But thanks for joining live. For those of you who joined live, if you're watching this after the fact, tune in live for the next one. Chat with everyone else. It'll be a lot of fun. That is it for my review of Lord Toad. <laughs> By, I'm insisting on calling it Toda, like the soft uh, but just with that E, because it's spelled with the E in my head. That tells me if it was just supposed to be Lord Toad, it would be T-O-A-D, but it's T-O-E-D-E. So Toda, I don't know. Lord Toda by Jeff, and I have it spelled Brub. So I have that huge mistake here too, by Jeff Grubb. What do you think of the novel? Do you have a favorite part? Have you read it before? You can email me at info at dlsaga.com or leave a comment below. I would like to take a moment and remind you to subscribe to this YouTube channel if you haven't already. Uh, ring the bell to get notified about upcoming videos and click that like button. It all goes to help other Dragonlance fans learn about this channel and its content. And just as a reminder, this channel is all about celebrating the wonderful world of the Dragonlance Saga. Thank you so much for joining in the celebration. Once again, my name is Adam with Dragonlance Saga. And until next time, Salon Javar. He's a butt